0: Danny Mac show with BK podcast powered by I promise. Now here's Danny Mac with BK. Tuesday edition of the Danny Mac show with BK. Tanner is with us as well. And welcome into the program. Ryan Ludwig is coming up. And we'll visit with the former Cardinal All-Star. Looking forward to that. This time last year, Ryan was down in spring training with a lot of former Cardinals. uh, Just kind of helping out with the core group that they have and working with young players. Unfortunately, this year, can't do it. And a lot of teams are facing that, too. You can't bring the Hall of Famers in. You can't do a lot of different things in spring training. But... The bottom line, BK, is good morning, and we do have baseball, and we talk about it every day, so that's Absolutely. a good thing. Absolutely,
1: that's how we do it here in St. Louis, Dan. And one of the things that I loved, and obviously it was under unfortunate circumstances, but we had the opportunity to talk to John Moselock after the passing of Bob Gibson and Luke Brock, and he spoke to what those two meant, to the Cardinal way, if you will, and he said that was part of their secret sauce. Part of the secret sauce was guys like, Gibby and Lou Brock and Ryan Ludwig and Edmonds and all of these guys coming back down to Jupiter and just, you know, like they were their peers speaking with the current players, giving them a few pointers, giving them tips here and there. And I mean, it, it, for a guy like Nolan Arenado in particular, who I know respects the history of this game, having those guys around this offseason would have been spectacular But we have plenty of years to come for him to be able to do that.
0: Good example would be Bruce Suter, who sometimes will go down to spring training. And he forged a friendship with Jason Mott that is carried over. And they are very, very close. I think it all started when Bruce was at a postseason game to throw out a first pitch. And they had been acquaintances down in spring training and whatnot, because Bruce will go hang out in the bullpen just shoot the bull sure you know and if when it's you're some, when you're him you can do that right and so if somebody wants to come up and ask him a question they're more than happy to help and that goes with ozzy and some of the others that go down there as well and so those two became really close to the point that jason mott named his kid suitor really yeah that's amazing yeah so i mean those things happen organically when you're around all the time and i mean how you you walk out of the clubhouse down in spring training and you can walk on Ozzie smith field well, there's a reason they call it Ozzie Smith Field because he's the best defender maybe this organization's ever had, and it's an infield, and those guys are working out at Ozzie Smith Field, and there he is working on your footwork and your throwing and your positioning. So that's that's something I really do miss with this spring training.
1: Yeah, I mean having guys like Willie McGee there is amazing. Yes. Having Jose Okindo is tremendous for them. Those re- those guys are invaluable resources for the current players but to be able to have all of them down there would be awesome hopefully we can get to that as soon as possible i thought
0: the first thing we were going to talk about was albert pujols and this being his final year in major league baseball and then it was like Whoa, well hold on here so let's uh, set the stage uh dd albert's wife uh, wife posted on instagram announcing that this would be albert's last season and this is the only way to take it that's how i took it everybody across the country took it this way quote Today is the first day of the last season of one of the most remarkable careers in sports. Exclamation point. I'm talking about my husband, Albert Pujols, who since the time he was a child would eat, sleep, and breathe this sport. I've had the privilege to walk out 23 years of this baseball journey, and it is with such a full heart that I speak a blessing over him as he finishes this good race. Okay, so you're thinking, all right, that's the official announcement. He's in the final year of his contract. Uh, at least that's how I took, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, he's going to retire." Then she would later change the post and oh, add, "But wait, yes, there's more! There's more!" <laughs> capital letters. This is not an official statement of Pujols' retirement. I'm simply sending my husband with blessings into the 2021 season. Today is the first day of the last season based on his contract and one of the most remarkable careers in sports. Ah, so,
1: that's how I would have taken that the first time around too. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't
0: quite take it that way. I thought, well, okay, he's going to be what, 42 and it's a final year of a 10-year deal. Really doesn't have a spot. Uh yeah, this is it. Yeah, this this makes
1: a lot of sense. Yeah. This this is probably the last go-around. And that's fine. There's and, nothing wrong with that. And you announced it at the beginning of the year, so you can celebrate him. Especially, do, do the Angels come to St. Louis this year? No. I'd have to check the schedule. But no, they do not come to St. Louis. That's unfortunate. That would have been awesome.
0: But with a lot of guys, like, you know, when Ozzy had his farewell in 96, or I remember when Chipper Jones was coming through, or Derek Jeter, I believe his final oh, yeah. year came through St. Louis. But all the the various teams in the various cities would have a retirement gift Mm -hmm. and acknowledge him before one of the games and the fans would acknowledge him. To me, that would be a great thing for Albert Pujols. No matter where he goes, he gets a couple of at-bats somewhere. And he can play first base a little bit. He can play the, you know, he'd be the DH, but you, you give him the recognition like you're from Kansas city. Kansas city would probably, if they, knew it was his final year and knowing where his we view him as a native kansas city is in
1: kansas city yeah you're gonna (laughs) celebrate him he went to maple woods right down the street from where i grew up that gentleman is a kansas Cityan. (laughs) and if you're the marketing group of the
0: kansas city royals you're saying now normally it's mike trout it's Mm otani you know there's some good players coming what wait a minute talbert Pujols. oh yeah final weekend ever in kansas city to play the royals let's pack the house and they would do that. A hundred
1: percent. Yeah. To see that guy play, especially because, I mean, I, I joke about it, but he, he did go to Fort Osage, which is literally 10 minutes from right. where I grew up. Um, so he is in Kansas city. It even holds a little bit more near and dear to the heart. I will say this, Dan, as we were kind of, as I was preparing to talk about the end of Albert pools, career, which may or may not be this year, apparently, I do think that as we look back on him leaving St. Louis to go to LA and how much frustration there was at first and where we are today, I think it ended up being the best thing possible for St. Louis that that happened because the Cardinals fan base got to watch all of the best years, no doubt with none of the downside, right? They saw none of the downturn Dan, his next five years when he got to LA pretty good. Not not what it was here in St. Louis, but he was a pretty good player and above average hitter. The last fight, this fan base, especially with the way that things went for the Cardinals from basically 2016 to last year, it could have turned on Albert in a way that would have potentially been ugly and wouldn't have been good for anybody involved. So it ended up impossible possible impossible for both sides. I disagree. Okay, interesting.
0: Uh, I don't think the fan base would have turned on him. Never. I don't think that ever would have happened. I think they would have looked at it and said, here is an aging superstar, but he's our superstar. And you got to remember.
1: I think they would have resented the fact that he was taking up $30 million. I don't think they would have turned on him. Really?
0: I don't. Interesting. I think fans, there was a love affair with this guy that has been unseen in this town. And I I saw him from the beginning of his career doing his games to the very end. I saw that final weekend that he came through here. And you got to remember too, BK. There would have been some really neat milestones along the way mm-hmm. that endear you even more to that player. Five hundred home runs, six hundred home runs, the the runs batted in, the three thousand hits. I think it would have been a little bit different as opposed to maybe somebody. Else. He was so special that it would have been different. That hey, you know what? That's our guy. I'm okay with it. And Absolutely. I'm and I'm watching our stand the man, um, and he's going in with a card to the Hall of Fame with a cardinal hat and. He's going to be ours when he's done. So I love him. You
1: know what I mean? I think that would have been there with time. I think in the moment over the last four years when he was a worse hitter every day than Harrison Bader, that I think that would have been tough for Cardinals I don't, fans. Interesting. I, don't, I like it. Okay.
0: I think fans would have been okay with it.
1: Um, I, I, Out of curiosity, who do you think the resentment, maybe you're right. I think maybe the resentment would have been more towards... Because I think what would have happened is Mo would have had to explain it. Mo would have had to say something to the degree so. of, nope. we can't make that move that you want because we are paying $30 million towards this star. No? Nope. I nope. think there would have been a resentment towards Mo if he didn't make the move, in, in part because he had that salary on the books. Well,
0: remember, by so to add to your point, by letting him go, you have Yadier Molina here, and you have Adam Wainwright here. And you were able to get Carlos Beltran at the time as well. And I'm not so sure... And I'm going to exclude Beltron and Berkman. You know, Berkman was another guy that they brought in. But those two franchise icons in Waino and Molina, I'm not sure you would have seen both finish here. So you got to look at it that way. That's fair. But I don't think this, I, if he was making $30 million and, and people would say, you know, it's ugly. It's not great. You know, the numbers aren't what we are accustomed to. But he's given us so much that I'm okay with it because he's our guy and he finishes here. So I disagree with you. Interesting.
1: Yeah. I, I, I I want to agree with you. I, I I, want to have that Pollyanna view of it, but five years is a long time so to be a 25, 20% below league average hitter.
0: We're talking about one of the greatest players though,
1: in the history of baseball. I think people would have still viewed him that way. And they would have appreciated everything he did for this organization but in the moment, it would have been frustration of... No. What do, what, what do the Cardinals do now? Like, what, how, no, it how do been, we overcome we this? We still have
0: this guy. Yeah, they can't go out and get this, but I get to watch him. You're watching greatness, man. And you ain't going to see that guy... You're not going to see a right-handed hitter like that maybe in our lifetimes again. 100%. And in this town. Now, there may be other players that come along, but the chances you get a right-handed hitter like that is
1: that good man so do you
0: think few and far between
1: if we uh, i'll put this on on my twitter account i'll I'll ask it on a poll if the the cardinals could do it over do you think the majority of the cardinals fan base would prefer that they would have re-signed albert pool i'm
0: not sure i i think the the one thing that you have to remember is that they went to a world series you know and and they were winning after 2011 that team all of a sudden had an influx of really good pitching whether it was carlos martinez lance lynn uh trevor rosenthal was coming i mean they had some really good players and they. You know, they supplemented the roster with, as we talked about, Beltron and Berkman. Um, 2012, you're one double play away from going to the World Series again on a misthrow. 2013, you, you go to the World Series. 14 and 15 are postseason teams. Um, I, I just, I think this fan base loved him so much and still does and appreciates him so much. And yeah, you're going to have your occasional fan that I'm just speaking about what I think is the majority. There are fans out there that say, hey, the heck with it Then they agree with you but i think the majority of fans are saying i i would love to be watching him every
1: day this year if this is
0: his final year i would want to see it
1: i would love to see if there is a dh this year and albert puts together a solid season doesn't need to be spectacular but a solid year where he's kind of a league average or better sure hit. i would love to see him be a deadline acquisition for the cardinals I would oh, lo- now, I would now lo- you're throwing out some things i would love to see it because it, it as long as he's performing i think whew. To see him one last time in a Cardinal uniform, that would be special. Take a
0: guess. So usually 70% has been typically the the war that you have to, or 70, war, is if you hit that milestone, you're a Hall of Famer. Or if you're right on the cusp, you're,
1: you're I mean, people are taking a really hard look at you, okay? What do you think his career war is? Well, he had to be pretty close to 70 here in St. Louis for the first 10 years of his career. So I... I know he's over a hundred. Is it like one fifteen? He's at a hundred
0: point seven. Okay, I which knew he was over a hundred. Nineteenth best. I was looking this up. So that's nineteenth best among position players in the history of baseball. I saw last night Barry Bonds at number one on that list. It's unbelievable. He was, forget it. He's in a stratosphere all his, uh, on his own. I love Ryan Spader because he comes up with some great numbers. So there have been nineteen thousand nine hundred and two players in the history of baseball of which 9,993 have thrown just one pitch. Albert Pujols has a hit off of over 1,000 of them. Oh, my God. So he has a hit of 10.6% of the people that have pitched in the game. That's (laughs)
1: amazing. It's
0: unbelievable.
1: That's like a – that's – That's at the same degree, but it's almost like the Tom Brady stats that we had heard over the last few weeks where it's like, yeah, 50 percent of the time when Tom Brady plays a season, he finishes it winning the the Super Bowl. It's It's
0: unbelievable. We'll talk to uh, Ryan Ludwig coming up. Also get to some of the news of the day down in Jupiter, Florida. This is the Danny Mac show with BK, the podcast powered by I promise. Kay just came up with a really good one about 10 seconds before we came back here. He said, you know what, Alex and I are going to talk about this what's the one series that you would pay to go watch this year that doesn't include the Dodgers and the Padres which is going to be great that'll be fun to be incredible the fact that
1: we get to see that 19 times this year is just going to be so much fun to watch
0: and I just thinking off the top of my head I mean I always love as a St. Louis guy I mean Cubs Cardinals of course I'm gonna throw that out there but I'm just talking big picture here if I'm just a baseball fan with no rooting interest of any team how about the Houston Astros going to the Bronx? And at that point, there's fans in the stands. How nasty could that get for Bregman, Correa, Altuve? And if there's fans in the stands this year, and by all accounts, we're going to have some fans at least initially, and hopefully build up to a much greater audience for these games. How much does it carry over? You know, COVID nineteen took that out. You know, that was that would have been the fun part for us to watch some of the rea- reactions they get in visiting ballparks. Could get
1: nasty for some of those players. I would love to see it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would love to be in the crowd to be able to take it all in. That's a really good answer. One that honestly I had not considered. The other thing is both of those teams should be pretty darn good this yeah. year as well. So you'll watch good baseball and really what you're paying for there is to be in the audience to see what I, what the spectacle is on that day. I think for I would that go- weekend. That weekend, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Right. Um I think I would go Braves versus Mets. Because I think we're in the early stages of what could be a really interesting dynamic rivalry between those two teams at the top of the NL East because the Braves aren't going anywhere with their young talent. And the Mets are only on the ascent right now with the money that they seem to be willing to spend. And he gets to see Francisco Lindor in person, which yeah. I've never seen him in person. I would love to go watch him in person. I think that would probably be the series that I would want to see.
0: Yankees-Mets interleague could be interesting, Ooh, that'd be too, really good. Yeah. because the Mets now are trying to be big players in that big market. And obviously, both teams should be pretty good. Um, Cardinals the East
1: is going to be really fun this year. Oh yeah, It really
0: is. I, I think... And we, By the way, we're going to be doing the game this weekend, I can announce that, on Sunday at noon, Cardinals against the Nationals. And so I was doing some research uh, earlier today on the Nationals, and you can see that game on Fox Sports Midwest. Uh, I think the Nationals, if they can get Scherzer, it's his final season... You know, last year, by the way, was the first time he did not have a Cy Young vote since 2012. Really? He's been, I mean, you talk about a contract that has worked. It, it, that's been fabulous. Which is
1: rare for pitchers to have that long of a contract that actually worked out. Scherzer wasn't
0: great last year. He still was good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he still was top 25, top 30 in the game. But, you know, you get him back. You you got Strasburg back after dealing with carpal tunnel syndrome. You got Juan Soto. I, that's a team that I think not enough people are paying attention to because, and you can understand why, Atlanta made it to postseason play, they re-sign Ozuna, you got the Mets being big players, the Phillies get JT Romuto and they bring him back, and kind of flying under the radar if their pitching holds the Washington
1: Nationals. Could be fun to watch. Yeah, the thing they have is those, those two big bats in the middle of the order with Soto and Turner. And that, that's what everything revolves around. And it's the same reason why people right now are excited about the Braves. It's the same reason that Cardinals fans are excited about this team going into next year. You need that middle of the order to be strong. And if you've got that, everything else pivots off of those guys. And the national, Nationals have that. And they have, as you said, the pitching. I think that entire division. I mean, you've got the Braves, Nationals, Mets, Phillies. I would not be surprised if any of those teams end up winning 85-plus games. Yeah. And I didn't mention the, the Marlins, who last year made the playoffs to the surprise yeah, of talk each about and them, every one of right. us. So that's, that's easily, for my money, the most competitive division going into the season.
0: Uh, this is interesting, too. I had this thought about 618 Cardinals and Colorado. So the return of Nolan Arenado to Denver. Um, and by the way, when we go to Denver, if the Rockies are not in contention... There are a ton of Cardinal fans that are there. So for many years, uh, you know the, the Cardinals were the the team west of Miss of the Mississippi, and the booming signal of KMOX would go down to Texas. So you got a lot of fans down there, but you'd get it in Colorado, and so a lot of fans are Cardinal fans that are out west. And so, and it's a fun trip. You know, you go to Coors Field, great ballpark. You go into Denver, probably mm-hmm. good weather. And uh, that'll be interesting because he'll get the standing O from the Cardinal fans and he'll get it from the Rocky fans, too.
1: If you're doing that series on the road this year, Dan, that's the 4th of July weekend. You're g- you could go out to Denver for the 4th of July weekend. That's not a bad place to spend the 4th of July.
0: I wonder if by early July, if we're having a launch of a celebration of our country, of maybe the numbers give covid going down and we're opening up ballparks to full capacity dan's going out to denver
1: going on a white water rafting oh, why tra- not?
0: trip <laughs> oh, why not you know i of course hey this morning mike Schilt talked to the media again on zoom he does it every day around eight central nine on the east coast and one of the questions that he was asked about is matt carpenter after the trade of nolan Arenado.
2: but he's embraced it completely what what uh Whatever we would like him to do, and he's he's taking ground balls at second, he'll clearly get some work at first and third and be available there. And, um, you know, as far as the spring training trajectory, he'll get his at bats, and he'll get some defensive work. And
0: If Justin Williams does not make this team, and he may have a fourth option so he could go to the minor leagues, the way I look at it is that that would be your one left-handed bat off the bench, potentially, if you've got your switch hitter, Dylan Carlson, playing, um, I'm looking at Matt Carpenter being your lefty off the bench. Now, you're going to have to give Arenado some time off, too. So there's third base starts, maybe 15, 20 games. Goldie, maybe 15 or 20 games. So now you got 40 games, let's say, on the high side of starts and Tommy Edmund. And I look at Tommy Edmund being uh, kind of a two-way thing here. It, you know, Sosa could make the team and play shortstop, but if... The young needs a day off. Tommy Edmonds shifts to short, and you've got potentially Carpenter to get some starts at second base, too. So, you know, you're going to be able to get him probably, what do you say, BK, 50, 60 starts, and you don't even include the DH games that you got with interleague play. So, you're going to see plenty of Matt Carpenter.
1: Yeah, maybe something like that. And also, I mean, I think Mo said. And. You get into a situation where Tommy Edman is not. Well, Matt Carpenter's going to get some opportunities where he's going to start at second base. I know defensively that is a massive downgrade going from Edmund to Carpenter. But this team needs offense. And if they can find it in Matt Carpenter's bat, he's going to see some opportunities. However, if he hits the way that he has the last couple of seasons, which is also a possibility that we have to consider. And he's probably not going to see a whole lot of playing time. It really does come down to whether or not he starts hitting and especially against right-handed pitching because his team does not have many lefty bats to be able to put in that order right now.
0: Remember watching Sung Wan Oh when he came to the big leagues and wound up being the closer for the Cardinals and it was Major League Baseball's first look at him live. And he dominated that first year. Second time through, there was more video out on him. Teams were accustomed to him. Mike Schilt was asked, could that happen with KK? You
2: know, KK's a pitchability guy, so he's a pitchmaker. Um, you know, I understand the question. I think uh, an experienced guy like himself. You know he'll be able to make adjustments to the central that has seen him, and and clearly uh, he'll be able to to be prepared for what he wants to do against the guys from the east and the west as well.
0: Yeah, that's the key. I mean, the east and the west—they haven't seen him. Interleague play really didn't see him all that much last year. I think he maybe made one start against Minnesota, I believe. So you're talking about a league that really hasn't seen him, and that's got to be beneficial for him. One of the byproducts of a truncated season, unfortunately, but maybe a positive for him.
1: And it's not like he 50 50 games. It's not like he started 30 games last year. I mean, he finished with, what, like 10 starts? Yeah. Yeah. Remember, he was was the closer on day one. Yeah, it's not a situation where I'm concerned about him going into this season. And actually, in some ways, and obviously we all wish it would have gone differently last year, but in some ways it ended up working out really well for KK that he's going to be able to come back this season on his final year of the deal here in St. Louis. And it's going to be as if this is the first year that he's had in the majors.
0: So you got Flaherty, Wainwright, Michaelis, KK, no particular order, and then Carlos Martinez. I think right now the inside track, maybe John Gamp will talk about that later in the show. And coming up, we're going to visit with Ryan Ludwig. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Danny Max show on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin. That's Brandon Kiley. BK, did you look at that 2008 season for Ryan Ludwig? It's ridiculous.
1: Unbelievable. I, ridiculous. I We've done a lot of uh, statistical analysis with the whole Nolan Arenado move. And basically everything that you look at in terms of the last Cardinal to do X, Y, and Z is like Albert, Matt Holliday, and Ryan Ludwig yep. is the third name that comes into a lot of those conversations.
0: You don't have a finer guy in our sport, one of my favorites, and that's Ryan Ludwig, who's been kind enough to join us. Luddy, how you doing, buddy?
1: Dan, what's up, buddy? I miss you. What a treat. Brandon, how are you, bud? Doing fantastic, Ryan. Thanks so much for the time today, man.
0: Where do we find uh, you? Are you down in Texas, by the way? Are you okay?
2: Yeah, we're doing all right. You know, uh, we had a little bit of damage to some pool equipment, and we got a lot of trees down, and my wife's uh, helping a lot of people out right now. She's gotten together with some, some other wives down here, and they've raised about $15,000, and they've been delivering pizzas and hot food that people who need around here. So, yeah, we got hit pretty hard. Is there any way that people here, if they wanted to
1: help out, is there a way that you know of that they can do so?
2: Um, To be honest, it would probably be my wife's uh, Facebook page or Twitter page or whatever um, social media she has. I don't have any of that stuff. But um, yeah, um, if you look her up, uh, I know she's uh, been reaching out to people and. Um, they're taking whatever they can get down here
0: make sure you let us know if we uh, get through the interview here and and uh, text me or text tanner and or pk and let us know what that is and is we'll get it out there for sure um how you doing man with with no spring training for a lot of guys are having to stay at home we were talking about this earlier normally you'd be down at spring training ozzy bruce Souter, the hall of famers and we all have to be staying socially distant how you holding up
2: no, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm working with some youth down here, some kids and doing some hitting lessons and um, keeping in touch with people throughout the game. Um, obviously, I miss seeing down there, Dan, and seeing the clubhouse guys and, you know, seeing the front office and the players and, and the, the coaching staff um, and, and most importantly, the fans. Um, it's, it's been an adjustment, but, you know, uh, I think everyone's going through that right now. And um, life's a little bit different than it was a couple years ago, but we'll get back to normal.
1: Talking to Ryan Ludwig, former Cardinals outfielder here on 101 ESPN. Ryan, one guy that I wanted to ask you about is Nolan Arenado, the newest acquisition for the Cardinals, because you you were with Scott Rowland here in St. Louis, and that's the guy that everybody comps Nolan Arenado to. What was it like to play with Scott? And I don't know how much you've been able to see of Arenado over the years, but if you've been able to see a little bit, how's he compared to the Scott Rowland that you played with?
2: So I saw Scotty a little bit later in his career um, in St. Louis and I played again with him in Cincinnati. and I saw Nolan when he came up as a rookie with the Rockies and you know played against him quite a bit with you know being in the NL West with the, the Padres for a minute and then um, just watching him mature and grow. Um, it, he, I mean, you talk about the two. I, I think they're uh, very comparable. Um, I love Scotty, but I think as far as you know overall number, I mean, if Nolan continues to do what he's doing, I mean, he's a, he could be a first-ballot-type, Hall of Fame-type guy. So um, he's, he's an incredible player. Um, I'm really happy for the fans of St. Louis. I'm excited about this team. Um, that lineup just got a lot deeper. Um, the defense on the left side of the field just got really strong. And, um, you know, he brings a lot of character to that squad and, and leadership. And, you know, you combine that with Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina and uh, – you got a dangerous combo over there right now. And well, Polly Goldschmidt too.
0: Are you shocked that Yachty and wayno are still going?
2: It's it's really cool. You know, I was thinking about that, reflecting on that a little bit before this interview and um shoot, you know, I played with them back in two thousand and seven and those guys are still rolling. I'm not shocked. Um both are Uber competitors and both uh do a really good job at staying in shape and and um I mean they're just—they're just—they're—they're they're an elite—they're elite group, you know. Those those people don't come around very often, and um, St. Louis is very fortunate to have those guys. And I know they're behind the city, and I know they love playing there. And you know, hopefully, those guys have statues out in front of the stadium here soon.
1: Ryan, one thing that Nolan Arenado is going to be able to experience is playing in front of this crowd. Hopefully this year, but at at a minimum in the future, he will. While he's in a Cardinals uniform, you you had a similar experience where you played elsewhere before coming to St. Louis. What is it like when you when you go out there for opening day for the first time and you go out there in mid-July and it's scorching hot and you've still got 40,000 fans in the stand? What's it like to experience playing in St. Louis that first go around?
2: Well, I think he he kind of gets a little bit. You know, I've been I've been following from afar obviously. I'm not down there, but I've been reading up a little bit. And, you know, there's a the thing everywhere you go around baseball, there's a thing called the Cardinal Way and it's it's no secret all organizations talk about it and some don't like to talk about it because they think they're better, but um, he obviously realizes it and it's a really special place to play. Um, opening day in Saint Louis is probably, in my opinion, the most special special place to have an opening day. You know, a lot of the Hall of Famers come back and you know, it's a packed crowd. Hopefully this year, you know, um, we can get by that COVID stuff and get back to a little bit of a norm. But, you know, it's a really, really special experience and the fans are so intelligent in St. Louis with him coming into town, they obviously know what he does and it kind of reminds me of, of the, move, you know, the move Mo made with Matt Holliday. You know, you're bringing in a big-time name and a big-time caliber player that really deepens that lineup and gives both Pauls on both sides of that lineup, um, you know, some protection. And uh, those fans are going to be behind him 100%.
0: You worked a lot with the younger players in Cardinal core and saw some of the younger players coming up that uh, are, are going to make an impact, whether it's this year or years uh, coming up. But the one thing I want to ask you about is analytics. How much did you try to, because I know you understand it, being a coach, you, you had to make that transition to really understand analytics and try to explain it to younger players. Do they get it? Are they on board? Are you finding that when they get to this type of level of baseball that they've already been exposed to it? Just a general question about that and how you try to transfer that to the player.
2: Well, I think there's pros to both sides, you know, the old school way and the anal- analytical way. Um, as far as, um, the player, you got to realize what type of player you're dealing with. Um, some players from a hitting standpoint, obviously I'm not a pitcher. I don't teach pitching. I don't coach pitching, but from a hitting standpoint, um, yes, I did. I did get to realize what the numbers mean and, and how to calibrate some of these, these different scenarios. But, you know, you take a guy, for example, like Tommy Edmund, right. Uber intelligent guy. Um, he can really put a lot in his brain and still stay calm. If that makes sense, oh, he doesn't yeah. get sped up. You know, and and when you're in the box and and you're in a game, things can speed up really fast. When you got forty five thousand people yelling at you, the game's on the line. Um, you know, you, you go back to the old school mentality of of you know Mark McGuire used to always talk about like one thought. You hear a lot of old old school people think one thought. You know, and I think some kids that can't um, take the information can tend to get clogged up at times, and they get in that box, and they get sped up, and they think too much. And as soon as you get two and three, three thoughts in your head and you're in the batter's box and a guy's throwing 96 with movement with a 90-mile-per-hour slider and an 82-mile-per-hour changeup that are all dropping off the table, um, it gets pretty hard to hit.
0: Who are some of the younger players that really caught your attention over the last couple of years?
2: Uh, and our organ. Well, yeah. I I can still I think call it our organization because sure. I love that city and I love the fans and I love that organ. I mean I love everything about that that place. But, um, you know you, you know Dylan Carlson obviously you've seen him grow up so much. Um, you know Tommy Edmond, I had him from day one. Um, you know I like this kid John Torres coming up Nolan Gorman. How can you not like his power? Um. And, and, there's just so many guys I actually looked on the roster and I actually dealt with 16 of those guys on the 40 man coming up over the last four or five years. So, you know, I just feel honored to be part of their lives and, and um, just to get to know them and, and, you know, seeing guys like Luke Voit, you know, I had him and he's gone on and, and, you know, become a home run champion. It's just uh, it was an honor to be part of that, that coaching staff for a little while and, and see these guys grow. And, and now you're seeing them come up to the big leagues and they're making an impact and, and, Uh, I think the city of St. Louis is in good hands right now.
1: Ryan Ludwig is joining us here on 101 ESPN. Ryan, you mentioned the name that all of us have talked so much about, especially over the last year or so, and that's Dylan Carlson. Uh, We saw the struggles at the beginning and then the successes at the end of the year for Carlson. What does he need to do to make sure that we see more of what we saw at the end of last season? What were kind of some of the adjustments that you may have seen? What, What do we need to see from him going into this upcoming year?
2: um i think one is stay out of his way um if you if you kind of follow his career um he's a coach's son high draft pick uh which comes with a lot of pressure um he's an extremely hard worker he's uber athletic he's a switch handed uh, you know, he hits from both sides of the plate um he can run um he's had struggles in the minor leagues and he always bounces back you know he's a guy that can make adjustments on his own and I think he's one of those guys that just has to grind through it, and that's what he is. He's a grinder. He's a hard nosed player, and you know he's going to fight. There's no doubt about it. He's got a lot of fight in him, and um, he's. I, I really think he's going to be a really, really good player. Um, but you know, sometimes it takes a little time to adjust. You know, I mean, from level to level, and especially at the big league level. I mean, that's the best of the best. But um, he's 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 going to be a good one.
0: What did you think of Tony getting back in the dugout with the White Sox? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I actually texted him congratulated him. Um, you know, it's an interesting little, you know, it's an interesting dynamic. You know, he's he's obviously older and they got a really young ball club over there. And when you look at the game and the way it's changed and, you know, it's a lot more flamboyant and um, there's a lot more um, energy with the young players as opposed to, I would say, in the maybe late 90s, uh, early 2000s, um, it was more baseball and hard-nosed and now it's become a lot more exciting and they're trying to make it energetic and these young kids are having a lot of fun jumping around and high-fiving and bat tossing and doing all this stuff so i think that might be a small adjustment for tony because tony's you know all business but um i wouldn't put it past him to, to be a winner he's been a winner his whole life so um i think it's a pretty good hire
1: what of the other big news stories this week, Ryan, he spent a little bit of time out in San Diego and they kept their young star Fernando Tatis Jr. for the next 14 years and more than $300 million. What was your reaction whenever you saw that story that he was going to be staying out in San Diego for that amount of time?
2: A uh, great player, but 14 years um, from a business standpoint, <laughs> scares me a little bit, you know, um, but there's no doubt about it. The guy's uber talented and, um, when you watch him play over the last year and a half, um, he definitely shows signs of being like possibly the best player in all of baseball. So, um, you know, it's a risk, risk reward type deal. Um, You know, if he stays healthy, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be one of the top five players in baseball for a long time. But, you know, obviously 14 years is a long time. It's a lot of money, but you know, I love his comments about, you know, wanting to stay in one uniform his whole life and have a statue out in front of the stadium.
1: Last question that I've got for you. I always love asking former players this. Who's the guy that you watch in today's game that you're just, you want to see every at-bat or every pitch that they throw if you can? Who's the guy that Ryan Ludwig wants to sit down to watch play baseball nowadays?
2: Oh, man, that's pretty easy (laughs) from an offensive standpoint. I think a lot of people would say Mike Trout. Um, He's just, he's electric, man. Like, uh, just incredible hitter. Yeah. Seems like he's very low key. Um, seems like a team player and a an night guy. He plays defense with passion. I uh, love seeing him rob home runs. And, you know, from a pitching standpoint, it might be a little bit, you know, off the wall a little bit. He's coming back this year, and I hope he's healthy and, and you know, seeing this young man grow and uh, really love this guy. Um, I've been fortunate to spend a lot of time around him. Um, it's Jordan Hicks.
0: You know, he doesn't throw very hard, though, so we gotta, we're trying to get the velocity going.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, he might come back throwing 110. You never know. know. That's what I'm
0: saying. These guys come back from Tommy John. They throw harder. I don't know how possibly he could throw any harder. We had him at, what, 105 one game or something like that? It's, in, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, it's just a little yeah. bit of
1: sync, too. It's fine. It's yeah. easy to hit. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a good athlete either. He might
0: be the strongest guy on the roster, Luddy. Have you seen him mm-hmm. lately? He is jacked right
2: now. He's incredible, man. He is He is. He's an incredible human being. Hey,
0: man, really appreciate your time for doing this and what you're doing to help out families down in Texas. And, again, make sure in Texas, um, the Twitter page. I'll you the, the text. Yeah, and we'll get that out in the air, too. And I know fans love seeing and hearing from you, so don't be a stranger.
2: No, right, but I really appreciate you guys having me on, Dan. Great hearing your voice. And all the best to you guys. Stay healthy and uh, go Cardinals.
0: You too. Thanks, Luddy. That's Ryan God, Ludwig. Douglas. Uh, one of the great stories, too, of perseverance in the game. And I think it was interesting hearing him talk about Dylan Carlson. You know, Luddy was a high draft pick and got injured a bunch and kind of got lost in the shuffle, but he always had great talent. And the Cardinals took a chance, gambled, one of those guys that kind of flew under the radar and got a chance and made the most of it. And you you pull for guys like that that are good people in the game. So he's, he's one of the best.
1: I mean, you look back at his time in St. Louis, Dan, a hell of a hitter I mean, just a a tremendous hitter and was uber successful while he was here and it's good to have guys like that i mean the the great thing he basically he told you right there he views himself as a cardinal he was here for four years yeah like it's not like he spent a decade here in st louis but that's some of the impact that it can have playing in this organization You, you suddenly feel like It's a part of you. You're a part of it, and it's a part of you.
0: That's BK. I'm Danny Mac. We cross it over next on 101 ESPN.
1: This is the Danny Mac Show with
0: BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Division with Ryan Ludwig. Tanner, always great job lining up some great guests. A uh, lot of response in the text line. How many people enjoyed watching him play? Albeit brief, as you mentioned, only four years. But man, some of the impacts that guys make in a brief amount of time, you just remember good players and good well, Larry guys. Larry
1: Walker, Carlos Beltran. You look back at those as well. Larry just a Walker of was years. a year and a half. Yeah,
0: You know, Carlos Beltran was two years and put up massive numbers. Lance Berkman, part of the 2011 team. couple years in the second year didn't really even play. They just make an impact
1: John Lackey Not not to the same degree As yeah. those guys But kind of that Next tier down Another guy That was here for A brief period of time But made a significant impact
0: AJ Pierzinski. Yeah One of my favorites I still talk to Everybody's like Yeah This guy's a rusty nail And I was like Okay well I'm gonna go uh, Interview him And afterwards he said Hey who is that guy That Dan He goes I, I know I've You know i listened to him And all that stuff He goes I like him. He, you know, he didn't. He didn't ask me why. He's I'm, good on the broadcast he, too. He's he really good. He didn't ask me why I'm a why I'm a mean guy. I said, well "I don't think you're a mean guy." First time I've really talked to you. So welcome to St. Louis. You know, you just you enjoy being around these guys.
1: It's, it's fun, man.
0: Uh, Ryan Ludwig just texted me. So let's see what we got here. Oh, it's downloading. So I have to pass along during your show. I don't know why you had to download that? But he just downloaded me. Uh, I bet
1: she screenshotted the Twitter account. <laughs> yeah,
0: and we're having. I can't. Ryder, what's going on with the internet in here? Anyway, uh, we have your show coming up for the next three hours. I'm sure you're going to break down what's going on with the Blues. Oh Another injury last night with Carl Gunnarsson. In- the injuries are piling up, man, right now on this team.
1: Yeah, and when the injuries pile up, you can't have turnovers like they had last night. So we'll get into that. We Wrong answers only. Who could the Blues call that would... Fix their issues right now again Wrong answers only we'll get into that coming up Today also Bruce Bochy gonna be joining The show coming up at 1215 Oh looking forward to that very much looking forward to Talking with them
0: I wonder if Bruce Bochi says Now wait a minute we got Machado We got okay this guy Tatis we got really good pitching
1: eh, Maybe I wouldn't mind Going back for another year another go around Yeah you yeah. know not not a Bad gig it's a little different than when he was there in with the late 90s yeah
0: they're really good, man. They're going to be really good. Interesting. And he had so many. I, I'd be interested on his battles with the Cardinals in postseason play. 100%. Yeah. One of the great wanna managers. Want to
1: look into that. Want to ask him about Tony getting back into it. Yeah. And want to ask him about, I mean, the, the number of times that he's gone up against Nolan Aranato. He's seen him as as much as anybody in baseball. So I, w- I would love to ask him about what the Cardinals are getting in Aranato.
0: Okay, you know I'm kind of sick on baseball, right? Not, in a good way. I'm Absolutely. A, I just love baseball. So last night I went back and I started looking at Nolan Aranato's greatest plays. That's how weird I am. I mean, you think I have more to do in my life? But he made a play in San Francisco that might be the best I have, that he made ever, which was uh, going towards the sidewall and the, the tarp was there and he goes oh, full yeah. speed into the tarp. That was in San Francisco. Okay. it's awesome. One of the great Bye. plays that I've ever seen that
1: one. And then his, his game on father's day in Colorado. Yes. Those two just, whew.
0: yeah, pretty good. This is fun. BK. Our thanks to Ryan Ludwick. You're coming up with Alex Tanner. Great job. By the way, tomorrow, Rick Horton will check in from Jupiter, Florida, and we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 on one hundred one ESPN. Listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.